This is the Marvel Sports Podcast. This is a season unlike anything we've ever had in our entire lives. We had some crazy finishes and some crazy games and a crazy weekend, so you can say everything was pretty crazy. And here's your host, David Marr. And welcome into the very first episode of the Marvel Sports Podcast. I'm David Marr. Of course, the podcast is going to be talking about all sports, but thought I'd start with some football. I know I'm going to do this a little, a little less than halfway into the season, but I thought it'd be good to start this podcast and just talk about sports in general um, and what a run the NFL's been having um, in spite of the pandemic that is still circling around us um, in our lives. And I'm going to start there because the season has gone on. We've finished seven weeks of football. And it's been it's been really fun to watch football and fun to really see how the NFL, much like the other two leagues, has handled the pandemic. We know that the NHL went into two different bubbles for two different conferences and it worked out. We know the NBA went to Disney and had a couple separate bubbles there and it worked out. MLB did not have a bubble, had to go through some bumps at the beginning of the season, and they worked it out all the way to the World Series until last night when Justin Turner tested positive from the Dodgers and was on the field. So they worked it up until then, which is fine. But for the NFL, it's been a little bit of a different story. Um, first three weeks of the season, there wasn't a single test. We, we got through some good football two weeks worth of football where there or three weeks worth of football excuse me where there wasn't a single positive test one that was concerning and then after week three's game between the minnesota vikings and the tennessee titans in minneapolis uh, a couple titans players had contracted the virus and their game with pittsburgh had to be delayed to week seven and then the patriots had a couple players test positive and their game was moved uh, including Cam Newton, who tested positive as well, um, moved from Sunday to Monday against Kansas City in Kansas City. Um, and then they stayed the course. Stephon Gilmore then contracted the virus, and then their game was moved from Week 5 against Denver. They moved that game to Week 6 at home against Denver, which was originally scheduled for Monday before more players and personnel contracted the virus, and they had to shut down facility the game got moved. Tennessee was off for about a week and a half with, I think, two days of practice before they finally settled in. They got a Tuesday night game against Buffalo, who was undefeated at the time, and Tennessee throttled the Bills 42-16 to in Nashville, and they, they really haven't stopped since. They've had no positive cases reported since then, and they've been winning a bunch of games, um, excluding last week's loss. To the Pittsburgh Steelers, who is the who are the last team who is the last team undefeated in the NFL. Um, so there's been a couple hiccups with the NFL. There's been some facilities shut down over time, but we've gone through seven weeks of football, and there really hasn't been there really hasn't been the significant shutdown of the entire league, which is um, which is interesting. And I, you know, at the beginning of the season, I think if we could, I said at the beginning of the season. If we could get through at least half the season and some small hiccups here and there and 
you know, we get through football and most of the games are played. And if we can make schedule adjustments, we should. We'll be fine. And that's what the NFL has done. That's the good news about it. I like how they're handling it. They're saying, give it a couple days. Let's isolate the players. Let's shut down the facilities. Let's try to shut it down. And then get on the field and get the game over with as fast as we can. But let's go back to the Patriots-Chiefs game on Monday, October 5th. 2020 up till Sunday the game was supposed to be scheduled for Sunday at 430 was supposed to be the late game on CBS and then I believe Saturday morning uh, Cam Newton had tested positive for the virus Um, it was an asymptomatic case at the time but it was a newly found test and questions now were were um, rising on should the Patriots even go on the plane to Kansas City and play against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs Um, and they said yes we'll delay the game Monday and you know we'll play it there but we really didn't know what was going to happen you know Cam Newton tested positive that means we have to find other cases and the NFL just said two days later we'll play the game but that doesn't work you know the NFL if you have a guy the test positive for a virus you know no matter how big or small the you know the mortality rate is it's still a bad thing because you don't want it to spread to anybody else because you know you go into Kansas City to play a Monday night game a Monday afternoon game um, at Arrowhead Stadium and you decide after finding out two days before that the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots tested positive you decided to delay the game a day and play it on Monday afternoon and just get it done. Well, that wouldn't that would work if the Patriots were at home. This is different because they had to go to Kansas City. They had to board two different planes to get the players all the way to Missouri. And you know, the game ended up working out and then we find out a couple days later that Stephon Gilmore tested positive and now we have to figure out who on Kansas City tested positive. So you know the NFL handled the Titans and the Patriots situations very differently. Obviously, because the outbreak was bigger in Tennessee, but the outbreak was smaller in New England. So let's say if, if you know if Cam Newton had tested positive, we could play the game. We could send two different planes to Arrowhead, get the game over with, and you know let's see what, what happens from there. With Tennessee, you know I think they had at least a dozen players test positive after the Minnesota game, and they had to postpone the game against Pittsburgh to Week Seven, and then they had to postpone the game against Buffalo, which is supposed to be. On, I believe, I think it was supposed to be on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, and they had to move it to Tuesday because more Titans players tested positive, and they couldn't play the game. So, the NFL has the way of handling it as if it's a lot more, then we shut it down and we postpone the game. If it's one person, let's try to play the game and get it over with. But I go back to that Kansas City side, uh, the Kansas City New England game, because. A couple days after the game, we learned that Stephon Gilmore tested positive. We learned that a couple other Patriots players tested positive, and they still wanted to play the game against Denver. So obviously, you know, I think every Patriot fan knows it's the league. It's the league against the Patriots because the Patriots, you know, the league has their history of cracking, uh, cracking down on the Patriots and really tuning them down, and you know, giving them not giving them the benefit of the doubt. So, to say that 
after a couple players test positive, we'll still play the game. No, you shouldn't do that. You have to let the pay. You have to let the player it, and the players felt uncomfortable too. But like if we play this game, we like if we will if we end up playing the scheduled game, we will sit out because we're not gonna catch this. You know, we have families back home. We don't want to give this to them. You know, which is understandable, and that's why I get. I bet the league probably moved the game from Monday to next week, and then forced all the schedule changes. And it ended up working out because the Patriots did get that game in against Denver on Sunday of Week Six. Um, Cam Newton got healthy. Gilmore got healthy. Um, a couple Patriots players got healthy, so they were able to play the game. So again, the NFL avoided avoided a major disaster with the Patriots, but. The league has this kind of scenario where as if a player tested positive, we shut down the facility, let's contact trace everybody, and let's try to play the game if we can without anybody else contracting it. But now the situation is, what happens if it's during the game? Or what happens if it's before the game starts? Because we learned last night after Game 6 of the World Series that Justin Turner tested positive mid-game. Like, the news just broke that he tested positive, and they still ended up going forward and playing the game. We obviously want to know how it happened, because that was really odd, and, you know, Jeff Passan, of, of, who was a reporter of MLB, said that uh, Turner's results came in inconclusive. They did it again, and they found out that he did end up testing positive for the virus. So I don't think it's a false positive. I think it may be true. Turner at the time did not present any symptoms, but the question is, how did he get it? So now, if you're if you're the league, you're watching the end of that game, and you got to be thinking to yourself, if that happens during the game, what are we gonna do? The obvious scenario is you send everybody home and don't play the game, and you just move it to another day or another week and do the, the crazy scheduling. But you know, you have that kind of scenario in your head now because. Okay, it could happen before the game, and I'll know beforehand, and I'll make adjustments, and everything goes as, as planned. During the game, it has to be on the fly. And the NFL, in my opinion, does not handle things well when things happen on the fly. You know, they have to like really, really press themselves and and figure it out. And they're not good at that, much like MLB, because they had to really crack down hard on the Marlins and figure out what are we going to do, because a whole team tested positive, and then another whole team tested positive in St. Louis. So, the NFL has to handle these different scenarios. And then, my scenario that I had thought of um, a couple of days ago was if the Titans had a bunch of test players test positive for the coronavirus um, leading up to their game against um, Pittsburgh, and they ended up moving the game. What happens if more Tennessee players test positive? And then, because you already had your bye week, because you had to move the Pittsburgh game to Week 7, and then you had to move the Buffalo Bills Thursday night game against Kansas City to Monday and play the game there and have another Monday night doubleheader with the Cardinals and the Cowboys scheduled to go later. My question is, if the Patriots or the Titans or any other of these teams, um, like I think the Falcons had a player and the Panthers had a player that all tested, and the Bills, if one of those teams already has a bye, and they test positive again, and it leads to a significant outbreak, what does the league do? Obviously, the Week 18 scenario comes into play, 
But based off the $350,000 fine they gave Tennessee for not following the protocol, that just seems to me like it, it could be one of two things. It could be a warning shot for the league, or they're just not taking this as seriously as as, as possible. Because I think, and I, I know that most people know this, but a lot of greedy owners and, and greedy commissioners will say, we don't care about the players' health, let's play the games and just see what happens. We're, you know, we're obviously in the middle of something that's completely unprecedented. Not, not a single person on the, on the planet could have planned for what was going to happen in March and in, you know, in April and all the months leading up to this. So, but the league has had the time to prepare and crack down on these situations. Like, if a player breaks the protocol, if a team breaks the protocol, what happens if a GM or an owner breaks the protocol? You know, they have to be able to crack down on these kind of scenarios. And based off the $350,000 fine they gave the Tennessee Titans on, um, I think this was Monday, for saying, you you know, you didn't follow the protocol, you're getting fined $350,000. That doesn't seem like, you know, that seems funky to me. Because now you have the Las Vegas Raiders and a player that broke protocol and had an entire offensive lineman, uh, an offense an entire unit on a team not practiced leading up to their Sunday game at home against Tampa Bay and it led to them being destroyed by 25 points to the Bucks. is that the way of saying this is the this is what happens when you don't when one of your guys tests positive you have to play the game I, I don't think so because you know you can play the game on a different day but you have to come down on people that break the protocol because you can't have players going out to clubs like Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley if it's really true they went out to I think a party club and they had no masks on they were partying and having fun and the league had taken notice of that then again Saquon is on is done for the season and Daniel Jones and the Giants are one and six at this point so the, the question becomes when does the league send the shot to a team or a player and say, if you do this again, you're not going to play. Or if you do this again, your whole team has to play, and they will not be able to practice because you let them down. Like, is that how it's going to go? We obviously have the scenario is if a, if a player tests positive over the bye week, it's fine because they're on a bye week. Time to get rested, time to get healthy, time to just, you know, be with your family. So they have that kind of scenario in place. My my only question is is if another player does it again, will the NFL give them a significant punishment more than they gave the punishment of giving the three hundred fifty thousand dollar fine to the Titans organization? Because that has to be a problem. Other than that, I think week seven, um, and I'll I'll break down uh, week seven and get to my week eight picks in a few minutes. But I really thought that. Week 6 and Week 7 were the best two weeks of watching football that we've had since this pandemic began. Because there was so much uncertainty about the Patriots and the Titans, and then we had a couple more teams, I think, um, a, a Chiefs player and a Raiders player, and I think we had a Jets player that was false. That's another thing. The false positive scenario... The NFL, is, I think they've done a great job with testing. They say, we'll test every day. We'll test it again if we have to. But if a player tests positive and it ends up being a false positive on game day, I think it happened with the Colts. It happened with the Jets. Um, 
I, I want to say it happened to another team. It may have been, um, it may have been the Detroit Lions. Or no, it was the Saints. It was the Saints because um, I believe it was the the backup running back that tested. Or no, it was the fullback that tested positive, and then they had to test it again, and he ended up coming negative, and the first one was false. You know what happens at that point? Because you have a you have a game to play, and a false po- and you get a positive test, you have to confirm it. If it's a false positive, then you have to say like, you know, you have to get the testing right on one try. And if you retest it again and get it right, then that's fine. But get it right the first time and don't look bad. If it's a positive, confirm it and it's over. And you have to say, you know, shut down the facility, postpone the game. You have to get testing right on the first try. You can't just say, you know, I'll give it two tries. If it's false, all right, then we're good. But if it's positive again, like, you know, because they're going to have scares. They had the scare in... Detroit, when the Saints fallback tested positive, literally Saturday night before the game started, they had to test him again, and then it was a confirmed false po- false positive, um, and the game went on. The Colts had a, I think, an illness during the game of, against um, the Vikings, um, and they said it was just a stomach bug. It's fine. It's not COVID. He tested, and it's negative, so we're good. You know, if that happens during the game, you have to shut it down because... You know, the, the good news about the NFL is that every game is on a Sunday or a Thursday or, or a Monday. You know, it's on one specific day, and it's just the days leading up to it that could be the significant factor of, of a facility being shut down or a game getting postponed. They have the time to do that. If it's a day before or the morning of the game, then you have to figure out a scenario where I have to either shut it down or, you know. But, again... Week six, week seven, we've had two great weeks of watching football, um, and I'll get into that. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with more of the Marvel Sports Podcast. Talk to you. And welcome back to the Marvel Sports Podcast with David Marr, and I was just talking about the NFL during the coronavirus pandemic. Now let's talk about the NFL as games and teams and all that, you know, all the fun stuff now. Week six and seven, I got to say, we haven't had a COVID scare yet, and we've been able to get through the, the last two weeks without hiccups or, you know, any kind of COVID cases, and we've had some really good football. And week seven, I thought, had the best week by far of 2020 because we had a great game Thursday night the Giants and the Eagles with the Giants and a Daniel Jones run that ended up setting up the touchdown to go up by 11 points in the fourth quarter and then the Eagles with the miraculous comeback to snatch the win out of thin air again in first place in the NFC East um, then Sunday a lot of great finishes in the early window um, a lot of them by three points or less we had the, the Steelers up 27-7 against the unbeaten Titans in a battle of unbeatens. Tennessee rallies, a, a second-half rally. They don't allow... Pittsburgh scored three points in the thir- in the second half completely, and Tennessee outscored them 17-3 in the final 30 minutes. And Steven Goskowski misses the, the game-time field goal, and Tennessee falls um, to 5-1. Pittsburgh is now the last undefeated team 
in the league, and they go to Baltimore this weekend, which is, which is my, uh, which is the Marvel Sports Game of the Week for Week Eight. Um, the Falcons accidentally scored a touchdown, and it led to a game-winning drive by Matthew Stafford in the Detroit Atlanta game on Sunday, which I thought was absolutely insane. Which is pretty much the story of the Falcons' season at this point. They have had games where it has come down to the wire, and they just find a way to lose. And this time it, be, it was because they accidentally scored a touchdown, which was crazy. Um, so the Falcons are now 1-6. Season is most likely over. They fired Dan Quinn and their general manager, and they still found a way to, lost the games, to lose the game. So maybe it's not a coaching staff issue for the Falcons. It's just possible that they're just too young and, and you know their defense is bad. Then we had a great game in Ohio between the Browns and the Bengals. The Browns manhandled the Bengals, even though they won by four points. In Cleveland, the last time these two got together, Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield put on a show. Um, Joe Burrow was 35 of 47, 406 yards and three touchdowns and a pick. Baker Mayfield started the day 0 for 5 um, and finished 22 of 23 for almost 300 yards and five touchdowns. That one incompletion being a spike in the fourth quarter that set up the game-winning touchdown to the rookie Donovan Peoples-Jones out of Michigan. And the Browns walked off on the Bengals. The Browns and the Bengals combined for 34 fourth-quarter points. And it was Cleveland that ended up getting the winner. The Bengals did build kind of a... It was a back-and-forth game. Shots were traded between both sides of the of teams. Um, and it was really a great football game because we're going to learn a lot about... We've learned a lot about the Browns and how they've, you know, they've turned the page on 2019... And they're five and two, and they could be a spoiler for the playoff. And we're learning a lot about Cincinnati. Their offensive line is not very good. Their offense is great when they when Joe Burrow has time to throw. And then the defense is having some issues. I believe a defensive lineman uh, wants out of Cincinnati and had requested a trade. Um, but we are learning a lot about these teams. And I think in the future we're going to have some great battles between the Bengals and the Browns. Um, in 2021 and 2022. Then we went to the Superdome and the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints. Another back-and-forth battle. The the Saints and the Panthers. I'm a Carolina Panthers fan, and the Panthers, they go to the Superdome and they rarely win. I think the last time they've actually won a game in the Superdome that actually meant something was the year they won, was the year they got to the Super Bowl in 2015. Um, when Cam Newton found Jericho Cotri in the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. The game was close. Um, the Panthers and Saints traded shots. Teddy Bridgewater was 23 of 28 for 250 yards and, a and two scores. Drew Brees was 29 of 36 for 287 yards and two scores. And it was 27-24 Saints late in the fourth quarter. Teddy Bridgewater takes a sack, which should have put the Panthers out of field goal range, arguably giving the Saints the win. And then Joey Sly was, I think, two inches away from having a 65-yard field goal be good, and the Panthers lost the game. And a lot of Panthers fans on Twitter were saying, why did we go for it on 4th and 100? Why did we kick a game-winning field goal? And obviously, the, the answer is pretty simple. It's 4th and 100, and you're playing in the Superdome, and, you know, do you really have confidence in your offensive line to give your quarterback time to throw the ball? You know, maybe throw it up there for pass interference and see if they get a call. Um, but, you know, confidence in your kicker. And Joey Sly said, he, you know, he's been kicking those 65-yarders. He almost had it. 
But I was really impressed with Carolina. We're learning a lot about them under Matt Rule. They're a very resilient team. They fight back. Um, us against the world mentality. And we're learning a lot about the Saints. I still think the Saints defense has problems. I still think their offense. Um, no Michael Thomas and no Emmanuel Sanders wasn't the story. Because they still have Alvin Kamara, which has been the Panthers' uh, you know, kryptonite against the Saints. They have just failed to stop him time and time again. He was... Uh, 83 yards on 14 carries, and I believe he had he didn't have a score in the game. But um, the Saints were, I believe, really good on third down. They were 12 of 14 in the game, and in critical moments, they could the Panthers' defense could not force a stop. So the later games were a little bit of a different story. Tampa Bay blew out the Raiders. I talked about the Raiders' offensive lineman COVID situation. Trent Brown was um, not wearing his contact tracing armband and then he had to sit out for the game four other offensive linemen had to continually test negative and they still got the game in tom brady had a phenomenal day in las vegas which 33 of 45 370 passing yards and four touchdowns as the bucks just blew out the raiders coming off of a bye week um tom brady's former team the new england patriots different story for them against the backup 49ers defense and a third string running back Jeff Wilson had 112 yards and three touchdowns for San Francisco, and the 49ers routed the Patriots 33-6. It's the first time the Pats have lost three in a row since 2004, 16 years ago, the last time New England started 2-4 and four and had lost three in a row. And uh, we'll get into them later. The Chiefs played a snowy game in Denver. Patrick Mahomes had only 200 yards passing and a touchdown, but Kansas City continues to prove that they are not a Mahomes show as they blew out Denver 43-16 in a snowy game um, up in the Rockies. Excellent performance by Kansas City. They are clearly still the best team in the East, or in the AFC. Maybe not the best, maybe the best team in the West, and probably the best team in the conference um, because of their win against Baltimore. Uh, still games down the road uh, for the Chiefs um, to, to really prove to see if they are really not a one-trick pony with Patrick Mahomes, but that was a good win for them against Denver. Uh, Justin Herbert continues to shine with the Chargers. He won his first career game over the sliding Jacksonville Jaguars, who have now lost six straight games. Herbert was 27 of 43, 350 yards passing, three touchdowns in the win for the Chargers, who had to actually come from behind to beat the Jaguars at home, getting a 39-29 win. And then probably the game of the season up to this point in Arizona, the Cardinals looking to make a statement against the unbeaten Seahawks. They were down 10 twice in the game, found a way to come back and steal a win at home with 15 seconds left to play in overtime. Uh, the Cardinals rallied back from a 34-24 deficit with less than 7 minutes to play and were able to shut down Russell Wilson, forcing three interceptions um, for Wilson and stealing the win. The Cardinals have emerged as a new player in the division and maybe in the conference with a 37-34 win over the unbeaten Seahawks, who have lost their first game of the season. So, really good Week 7 of football. Oh, and then, of course, the Monday night game that I watched last night, the Bears and the Rams. Two good defenses, but in the end, it's the Rams' defense shutting down Nick Foles and picking up the 24-10 win in Inglewood. Uh, Jared Goff, not a perfect day, 219 yards passing and two scores, no interceptions. Nick Foles, the other side of the coin, 261 yards passing, two interceptions. The Bears' lone touchdown was an Eddie Jackson scoop and score uh, early in the fourth quarter to give the Bears life, but unfortunately not enough 
to beat the Los Angeles Rams. So, uh, standings-wise, currently we have some uh, new leaders in every division. The Buffalo Bills with a currently uh, game-and-a-half lead on the Miami Dolphins in the AFC East. Miami had a bye week last week, and we'll get into their matchup with the Rams uh, this Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. The Steelers, Ravens, and Browns each have five or more wins. Cleveland is 5-2, right behind Baltimore, who is 5-1. The Steelers are 6-0. The Bengals, while showing some signs of life, are still 1-5, most likely done for the season. Um, but still, potential run of the playoffs is, you know, stay keep hope alive for the Bengals. Uh, the Tennessee Titans currently lead the AFC South. They're 5-1. Um, Indianapolis is 4-2, right on their tails. Um, the Colts had an off week last week. They will take on... Uh, excuse me, the Detroit Lions this weekend in Indi- in Detroit. And, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs, leaders of the West at 6-1. and one. The Raiders are the second-best record in the division at 3-3. Three and three. They had the only win of the season against the Chiefs to this point. The Chargers and Broncos are both 2-4. and four. Those two teams will face off uh, this Sunday in Denver. Uh, Justin Herbert and Drew Locke going head-to-head for the first time. The NFC East is arguably the worst division in the NFL. Both Every team in the division has two wins or less. The Philadelphia Eagles currently leading the division. They're 2-4-1. The Washington football team is right behind them at 2-5 because of their head-to-head win over Dallas last week. Dallas and the Eagles. Big game in the NFC East this Sunday night on NBC. Dallas will most likely be starting Andy Dalton or their third-string quarterback against Carson Wentz and the very beat-up Philadelphia Eagles. The um, the Green Bay Packers currently leading the NFC North at 5-1. and one. The Chicago Bears right behind them at 5-2. and two. The Bears and the Saints this weekend um, in Chicago should be a great game. The Packers are taking on the Vikings. The Vikings are 1-5. They have traded away one of their best defensive ends, most likely done for the season, uh, sitting at 1-5 and, and a very brutal schedule left on the docket. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady are 5-2. and two, Some good wins. They beat the Packers and then go on the road to Las Vegas off the bye and take down the Raiders. They're 5-2. and two. The New Orleans Saints right on their tails at 4-2. and two. Carolina, the third best record in the division at 3-4. and four. The Atlanta Falcons season likely over. They're 1-6. And, and the Panthers and the Falcons will headline Week 8 as they will face off in Carolina on Thursday night. The NFC West, arguably the best division in the NFL at this point. The 49ers, Rams, Cardinals, and Seahawks have combined for 19 wins. And if my math is correct, eight losses. They're combined 19 and eight on the season. The 49ers are in last, but have a winning record of four and three. The Rams are five and two, along with the Cardinals, who are five and two. The reason Arizona has the lead in the in the division over the Rams is because the Cardinals are two and zero in the division with wins over San Francisco and Seattle. The Seahawks are five and one, still leaders of the West. The Cardinals are off this week. The Rams will go to Miami. The 49ers will visit Seattle in another battle of the West teams. San Francisco's first or third divisional game of the season, the Rams have yet to face any, or other than San Francisco, they've only played one divisional game this season. The Seahawks game against Arizona was their first game in the division, so better watch out. I really like Arizona uh, this season. So let's get into Week 8's games. We start with Thursday night, Carolina and Atlanta, the Panthers and the Falcons at Bank of America Stadium in Carolina. Um, the Panthers and Falcons met earlier in the season a few weeks ago. The Panthers won the game 23-16 in Atlanta, which would end up being the last time we saw Dan Quinn. So the Falcons now have Raheem Morris as the new head coach. They're 1-6, but 
they don't look like themselves. Their defense is very struggling, um, not being able to stop a lot of passing teams. Teddy Bridgewater has thrown for almost 2,000 yards this season, eight touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey's status for the game, he has been out for a while because of an ankle injury suffered in Week 2's loss in Tampa Bay. He is listed as questionable for the game. He's been practicing this week. We're not sure if he is going to play, but hopefully he is ready to go. Um, I like Carolina in this game. I'm not seeing a lot of fight from the Falcons. And, you know, that game against Detroit where it looked like they had it, they had a chance to win if they ran out the clock instead of scoring the touchdown. They got to be down, and that could have been the season-saving game. It looks like their season is over. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to throw it around. If Christian McCaffrey is healthy, he should be great. And I think Carolina will go back home and get back to 500 and get a big win. And then they go to Kansas City next week. Should be a good game against the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Uh, the Marvel Sports game of the day, or game of the week this week, excuse me. Pittsburgh and Baltimore. The Ravens were off last week to prepare for the Steelers. The Steelers had to go to Tennessee. Pittsburgh's been playing with a little fire. You know, a lot of their wins haven't been great. They had to steal one against Houston. They had to steal one on the road against the Giants. They escaped Denver at home. And then, you know, beating Cleveland and Tennessee by pretty good margins has got to give them some confidence. I really like the Steelers' offense. Big Ben has a new method, which is to get the ball out quick to new playmakers like Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. But... The Ravens coming off a of bye scares me, and Lamar Jackson does incredible things. I got to go with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I think that, and they just got a couple of new guys. They signed Des Bryant this week. They signed. They got a trade from the Vikings to get another pass rusher. I think Baltimore is coming in with a lot of confidence and a lot of um, new faces, and I think that they will get their win over the Steelers, and we will no longer have any teams undefeated in the NFL. Uh, Colts and Lions, it's an underrated game. Both teams are 500 or plus. Uh, the Colts are coming off a bye. The Lions with a nice comeback win over the Falcons last week. I'm not really sold on the Colts. The Colts' two losses were to um, the Browns and I believe the Jaguars week one. And the, the, the two games that they won against the Bears and the Bengals have not been impressive. Um, the offense was struggling against the Bears. The Defense struggled against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I think Detroit may get the best of them. I really like the Lions' fight. Um, I think they've been playing with a lot of confidence. They have won two in a row, which I did not expect them to do this season. Um, and they've been playing some good games. They've been playing some good ball. They had a chance to beat the Saints. They did beat Arizona. They did beat Jacksonville. Um, you know, they've lost some close games. So I think Detroit will go back home with some confidence, and I think they'll take down the Colts. And uh, both teams will be at 4-3 and three at the end of the day. Vikings and the Packers, usually a big one in the NFC North. Not really this season. The Vikings have traded away uh, Yannick Ogakowe, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, to the Ravens. Um, uh, Daniel Hunter is banged up. The secondary is too young. Um, Kirk Cousins, thoughts have a really good season, has played really nowhere without his favorite uh, target in Dalvin Cook, which really sets up the whole offensive game for the Vikings. Cook should be back. The Vikings had an off week last week. He should be healthy and ready to go. But Aaron Rodgers should be getting Aaron Jones back for this game. Uh, Devontae Adams had an excellent game against the Texans last week and the Packers. Eight, uh, 15 point win over the Texans. I think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers win a shootout against Minnesota. I think seven points is a lot of points. I think it will come down to the last play of the game. It usually does between these two teams. But 
the Vikings secondary being young and without one of their best edge rushers and another pass rusher in the game concerns me so I really like the Packers uh, to win this game Patriots and Bills living in New England and uh, I was on a talk with my buddy Babs um, at halftime against um, the 49ers and I was telling him that there's so much dysfunction on this Patriots team. I said at the beginning of the season, Cam Newton was not a trustworthy quarterback. He has proved it this season. He can't throw the ball. Receivers can't get separation. And the run game really isn't there for the Patriots. And their defense is getting shredded by opposing offenses. The 49ers started a third-string running back against the Patriots. He had over 100 yards and three touchdowns in the win for San Francisco. It doesn't feel like the Patriots' time is there, and Stephon Gilmore is uh, rumored to be on the trade block. They go to Buffalo, potentially season-saving game for the Patriots. Um, the Bills did not look good against the Jets. They did come back, yes, and win the game. Um, Josh Allen did not have a great game. The Bills' defense stepped up and got the win. I think Buffalo gets back on track and ultimately ends the Patriots' season this Sunday in in uh, in Orchard Park, and the Bills get the win, uh, big too. I think the Bills and the Pat they have too much depth at the wide receiver, and the New England's offense is sputtering at this point. Um, so I think the Buffalo Bills get the win. Titans and Bengals, good one in Cincinnati. The Bengals, tough loss again against the Browns, but we're seeing a lot of them this season. Joe Burrow's playing very well. His offensive line continues to be a disappointment um potential trap game for tennessee coming off the first loss they could be a little bit down after that loss against pittsburgh i, I want to pull the trigger on cincinnati because i really like the way that they're playing but there's off the field issues on defense and the offensive line still can't protect i think tennessee's defense has a bounce back game i think they force turnovers on joe burrow and i think the titans go on the road and take care of business against the bengals and they're still my pick to win the AFC South. So I think the Titans need to win this game, and I think they get it done against the Bengals. Raiders and Browns. Uh, underrated game as well. Raiders coming off a loss against Tampa. Browns coming off a shootout win. I've been really impressed with Cleveland this season. Um, I'm impressed with the way they're running the football with Kareem Hunt, even with Nick Chubb out of the lineup. Baker Mayfield is playing like a veteran quarterback. And the Browns' defense is playing tremendous. They have really matured. Um, from Freddie Kitchens along with um, after last season and Kevin Stefanski's really flipped the switch on this defense. They're rushing the passer more. They're playing smart football. The Raiders, I really like the speed of the wide receivers for the Raiders. I think they present a tough match for this Cleveland defense and the Cleveland secondary. But it's really hard to go against Baker Mayfield right now. Even without Odell Beckham Jr., I think Cleveland takes care of business against the Raiders at home. They get to 6-2, and two, which is a really good record for Cleveland with a very doable schedule coming up. Jets and Sheets, this is not even a, uh, worth previewing. The Jets are awful, clearly tanking. Adam Gase is a terrible coach. He's not hasn't been fired yet. And the Chiefs, 6-1. and one, They didn't play, you know, Patrick Mahomes didn't have a great game against the Broncos. Um, kind of a must-win for the Chiefs, but I think the Jets are awful. If the Chiefs are favored by 19 points. I think they won this by 35 against the Jets. Rams and Dolphins, I, I'm questioning the move by Brian Flores about switching from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Tua Tagovailoa in this game. Um, Fitzpatrick went on the road to San Francisco and put up 43 points, then comes back to Miami and shuts down the Jets. 
And then Flores puts the move to Tua. There's good and bad coming out of this because on one hand, Fitzpatrick's playing well. Why would you take him out and insert Tua in the lineup? Doesn't really make sense. But then there's the added element of a mobile quarterback. Tua's got some great arm. He's got a great receiving core to work with. I think this could be a move that works for Brian Flores. But against the Rams and Aaron Donald, they have to be on their A game. Aaron Donald had a great game against the Bears. The Rams offense got back to running the football. Defensively stepped up. It, I really want to pull the trigger on Tua. I think he's going to be an excellent player. I love what he brings to the table for the Dolphins. But your first start coming against Aaron Donald and the and the 5-2 and two LA Rams, who really need to win this game with Seattle and Arizona ahead of them, I think the Rams take care of business on the road in Miami. But I do think it's going to be a great game to watch. I think the Rams and the Dolphins will both show us. I think they're going to show us more, and we're going to learn more about the Rams and the Dolphins in this game than we have learned about most of the season. Chargers and Broncos. Um, two young quarterbacks, two young defenses. Um, if I had to pick this game, I would go with the better quarterback. And because Justin Herbert has thrown for almost a thousand yards more than Drew Locke in this season, um, I think Justin Herbert's been playing as good as anybody right now as a rookie. He's putting up a lot of good numbers, a lot of touchdowns. The Chargers' defense has to play well, and I think they will go on the road and take care of business against the Broncos. I think it's going to be a great game, um, but I don't really trust this Denver offense. If all they do is run the ball, Drew Locke doesn't throw it around as much as I want him to. And Denver's defense is really, really awful. Um, so I really like the Chargers. Um, let's go to Saints-Bears. Um, really big game for both teams. Chicago and the Saints currently trailing. Two division leaders win the Bucks and the, uh, the Packers. The Bears' defense is great, but we're still knowing, we still learn that Matt Nagy just doesn't want to run the football and it hurts his team. David Montgomery is not a very good running back. Nick Foles has come in, played well at times, and then he show us, shows us some down moments. And when I look at New Orleans, the Saints' offense is great, but the one question I have is their defense because the defense has been really, really terrible. I thought coming off the bye, they would suffocate Carolina and still had to come down to the last play of the game for them to win. I don't feel like the Saints are a great defense right now, but and there's concern about Michael Thomas, I think Chicago, if they just get the running game going and pound it at New Orleans, I think they're going to win this game. I really, really like the Bears. I think the defense steps up. I'm still learning a little bit about the Saints offense without Michael Thomas. If they take away Kamara, Drew Brees has to win this game. But I don't trust that Saints defense right now, not after the way they played against Carolina coming off a bye and allowing almost 300 yards passing and didn't and not even forcing a takeaway um, on defense. So I'm going to take the Chicago Bears to win this game in an upset. Um, that'll be my one upset this week. The Bears going uh, at home, coming off a loss on Monday and taking down the Saints at home. 49ers and Seahawks. You know, a lot of questions were about San Francisco, and I actually read this really cool quote. The 49ers are starting Halloween off early, because they dug themselves out of their own grave, and it's true. The 49ers were 2-3, and three, left for dead after getting blown out by the Dolphins at home. Questions were asked about, could the Niners really even get to the playoffs? But Jimmy Garoppolo has stepped in, George Kittle's playing great, Debo Samuel is a little banged up, but he's been playing great. 
The running game is going to be an issue now. They're down two running backs in Mostert and Wilson who got hurt in that game against the Patriots. Um, and Seattle coming off a loss in a game that they should have won. They had multiple chances to win the game, and they couldn't finish it. I think the Seahawks go back home, ready to get back out there. Russell Wilson throws it around. Jamal Adams could be healthy for the Seahawks defense, and if he is, it'd be such a big boost because this is a revenge game for the Seahawks. They remember San Francisco stole the West from them, going into Seattle and beating them on the last play of the game. I think Seattle will go back home and play with an edge and take care of business against the 49ers. I still don't know. I don't know about the 49ers defense because they don't have a pass rush, and the and the Seahawks offensive line is one of the best in football. So, um, Sunday night game, real quick: Cowboys Eagles. Not much to talk about in this game. Both teams are banged up. Both teams are having very disappointing years. But I look at the Dallas Cowboys, and there's so much dysfunction and not enough leaders on this team. Andy Dalton got clocked in the game against Washington last week, and no one stuck up for him. That is clearly showing me that there's no fight left in Dallas. There's no Dak Prescott. They've lost their leader. They have it. They're, another leader is lying on the ground, and they don't fight back. It's just, I don't know what's going on. I don't think it's a coaching staff thing. I don't think Mike McCarthy's lost his team. But I think Jerry Jones is really having a frustrated time trying to figure out what's going on with this team. Meanwhile, for the Eagles, injuries have kind of slowed them down, but they're still one of the best teams in the NFC East because they've been running the ball, and Carson Wentz has gotten some of his receivers back, and that's why I think Philly will go home and take down the Cowboys. Um, they played a great game on Thursday night. You got a nice comeback. That's got to give them some confidence and a nice 10-day break, welcoming it in Dallas. Rivalry game. I think this is a must-win game for the Eagles, and I think that they will take care of business against Dallas. And then you have the Monday night game with Tampa and the Giants. I, it's hard to figure out who's playing better than Tampa Bay right now. You can make the argument that Seattle or Arizona or the Chiefs or the Ravens, but Tampa feels like a more complete team. Uh, Todd Bowles is a great defense. Uh, Tampa Bay has been settling in, or has been a nice uh, home for Tom Brady. Um, in a sense, he's been playing good ball. He's got a lot of weapons. Antonio Brown recently signed with the team. I'm not sure if that's a good or bad move. And the Giants, although 1-6, I think they've been playing better. I think they're better than people think they are. They just cannot seem to get their passing game going. They should have won that game on Thursday night. You have to wonder if they're still down about that. I think the... Uh, the long trip for Tampa going up north to the Meadowlands to play the Giants could be a factor, but in the end, Tampa is just more of a complete team, and I think they easily defeat the Giants and uh, get 6-2 and two and uh, set up a pretty big showdown next week with New Orleans um, on Sunday night to determine who is still the favorite in the NFC South. That will do it for the first episode of the Marvel Sports Podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening. If you want to be a guest, feel free to hit me up on social media or through WordPress. I uh, will see if I can fit you in there. Um, we talk a lot of football, talk a lot of hockey, a lot of baseball. Uh, next week we'll talk about the World Series and uh, get a preview of Week 9 in the NFL. It should be a good one uh, next week. But until then, thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.